This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. In the air to left field. Going back on it. It is gone! Kevin Franzen sends everybody home! Ball there! Coming down! down. What up? Welcome to the Pine Tar for Breakfast podcast, episode 13. It's May 4th, 2019. It is Jimmy Rollins Day at Citizens Bank Park, and unbelievable. It is a great honor, beyond a great honor, for a great Philly, the all-time hits leader in franchise history. Just a few all-star games, just a few gold gloves and silver sluggers and, you know, an MVP. Yeah. So why not? Let's talk a little Jimmy Rollins. Let's talk some Phillies, but let's let's go to one of my favorite people. Um, not only, obviously, a great Philadelphia Philly, but he's a Bellerin Bell, so it's better than Malvern Prep. Um, that's here in San Jose. It, guy that was number one overall draft pick out of Miami. Two-time World Series champion as a player, Giants, and with the 2008 Phillies, and two times as a... Scout, he was a part of the championship teams with the with the Giants, now doing pre and post with the San Francisco Giants on NBC Sports Bay Area. Let's bring on your favorite, number five, Pat Burrell. Pat, what's up, dude? Happy to be here, pal. How you doing? Uh, you know, same old, same old. Beautiful weather you and I are enjoying here in the Bay Area. So uh, I head back to St. Louis in a and Kansas City for the next road trip, so I'm I'm fired up. Hey, good towns, good towns. Which one's your favorite? Uh, well, so I have I was actually my whole family's from Kansas City, so I spent a lot of time there. Uh, I do have the best barbecue place in town. If Prove you it. Need it. Yep, I'm in. Just tell me. I'm, uh, I'm writing 18th it down. 18th in Brooklyn. There's a place called Charlie or Arthur Bryant's. Hmm. Arthur. It's Bryant. on 18th in Brooklyn. It's it's, it's near downtown. It's a can't miss. Don't mess around. Get the barbecued beef brisket sandwich. It it stacks as high as about fourteen bucks, what? and uh, it comes with fries. They all roll it together on a big, like I don't know what kind of paper they use, and you just get this big ball. Yeah. And you open it up, and it just all falls apart, and you just go to town. It just sounds like like glorious death. That's what they should call it. Like just you eat it. Well, and... it's a nap. And a, 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 a trip to the stool at some point. And, and, yes. and, hey, I'm in. I'm in on that. You gotta have the pregame. You know, it's all good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no. It's. Uh, I tell you what, but St. Louis. I mean, you can't beat that place either because, I mean, those fans have just been so good for so long, and now they're actually good, which is really fun to see. The two of the two of my favorite cities playing, and and it all started in '06 when I was a rookie, and Philly was one. Just uh-huh. the, and you and I have talked about this, just the way they responded with Bonds and it just like the atmosphere that you guys had created already. And then you add in Bonds on top of that. And it was like the, the place like you just fell in love with. And St. Louis was uh-huh. number two. 
And it was because it was 06, so they won the World Series that year. They hadn't finished anything off in the Central at all. Uh, in September, we were there. Moises Alou, bases loaded, bottom of the eighth inning. He lays out in the left field line and like just ends the rally, ends their hopes of winning that game. And from the, the foul pole to the third base dugout was a standing no by all those fans. I was like, what the hell is this? Like the most insane fan base I've ever seen. Well, it's just respect. And, you know, we're just, you know, I think we're seeing less and less of that across uh, the big leagues. But, man, to go to a place like that where they actually give you a standing O for a good play is really cool. It is. It is. And it's like, okay, so how many fan bases really have that? And then you, you, you've played for a few of them. And, well, two of them at least. But well, they do it in uh, – I think it, I got booed for making plays at, at points in Philly, but, you know, dude, that I happens. Had, I was trying to tell someone the other day, I was like, in, in, in my time in Philly, I had I, I was rolling at one point. I made an unbelievable play in the first, got a standing no. I made an error to, like, lose the game in the eighth. Same game. I got booed so loud. It was, like, the most unbelievable <laughs> high and low in one game. I'm like, what the hell is this? But it was like – I know. It's like, it's, it's Philly. Insane. It's insane. You know, it's funny, though. You go back. So, you know, I played, uh, I think, nine seasons there. And then they bring you back for, you know, like alumni stuff and yeah. stuff like that. And they bring you out on the field and you're wondering. Because you think in your head, like, gosh, I think it was at least 50-50 booze, you know, over the years. <laughs> 50 at least. Maybe 60-40. And then you think, you go on the, and, and then you go on the field and the place erupts. They love you. Yeah. It's almost like you sustained all the all the abuse, and now we're going to reward you for it. What, what it's incredible is like you think about your career. I mean, you're the number one overall pick in '98. Sure. Uh, and you know, there's that expectation that's already on that. Well, you get there in 2000, and uh -huh. you guys suck, right? I mean, you guys finish. Totally. You guys finish last in the division. Well, that's the last yeah. time that you're going to be in the bottom half of the division in your time in Philly. That said, I think we lost that says 96 lot. games, to be honest. Yeah. And it was the end of the Francona run, which is a shame because he was phenomenal, but we, we just really didn't have a good team. And it's really – one of the things I really want to touch on throughout this deal is, you know, sometimes you have great coaches, mm -hmm. and if the players don't perform, the coaches get uh, fired or, mm -hmm. you know, they have to move on. And it's not always because – their fault. I mean, look what's happening in San Francisco with Bochi. I mean, he's going to be uh, moving on from here. Uh, and certainly, I mean, it's not his problem, no. you know, but you just, that's the way the game is. Yeah. And, and for you, I mean, look at the managers you've played for. I mean, mm -hmm. Francona, Boa, and then you play for, hey, 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 uh, Pat, what's up? Hey, uh, Charlie Manuel here. Hey, uh, you know, and and then then oh, you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you go play for Madden, and then you play for Boach. I mean, you're looking at yeah, insane, insane managers, but you have insanely different personalities, right? Insanely different. Like, like it's not it's not like oh yeah they were different. No, it's insanely the the um, like the difference in guy, in like personality. Oh, between Joe Madden and Larry Boa? Yeah. Are you kidding? Joe Madden and like you could even go Joe Madden and Boach. I mean, yeah, they're. Oh my god! But I mean, like one's f philosophical, and then like yeah, Boach who's philosophical from the gut. Like there's something about like there's something that he just he just knows life. But it's not like yeah. your your Zen master type. It is 
like he no, just knows people. It's just, oh my god, uh, the big man's walking in the room. What's he gonna say? Yeah, no, it, it, it's it's tremendous. What like when you think of, I mean, Frank Kono's your first manager that you have, mm-hmm. and, and we all, and I got to you know be around him for a little bit when I was with the Sox for like I don't know a couple of weeks, and he's oh, awesome. Oh, yeah, I got traded from the Giants. I was the reason why, you know, the Giants won it in 10. They traded me away week before <laughs> spring training. The uh, the black cloud was lifted, and, you know. I didn't all... know it was your year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, so um, you're welcome. Did you get a ring? No, 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 no. They, uh, I think it was, like, cash. That's what they traded me for. But in the uh, end, it ended up being, like, a like literally a dozen baseballs. Like, not even uh, – that's not even like the joke. You're like, oh, I got a trade for. I, I think it was used too. It was crazy. Anywho, uh, it's better than an outfield sign. No, that's true. That's true. I, uh, yeah. Or a player to be named later, and you become that player too. We had that happen in Philadelphia one year. Rob Ducey got traded to Toronto for, for a player to be named later, and then two weeks later, he came back as that player. Dude, that's even. See, Is that insane? That, that's even more nuts. That's Sick. nuts. All right, so we gotta we gotta touch on this because. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I I started to bring it up, and and I really think that with you coming up in 2000, and by the way, uh, your your debut is on my birthday. My bad. In 2000, bad day for me that day, as the Bells lost to SI in the semis of CCS. But then we all went and watched the game, your game, your initial game as a as a Philly. Uh, just to let you know, a little little tidbit there. Uh, that's awesome. So you guys finishing last in 2000, but I think it was a part of you coming up. You guys mm-hmm. finished second, third, third, second, 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 first, first. That is your career. Like, yes. in, in, and for me, it says so much about you. And it says so much about the players that obviously, you know, you were surrounded with, but also that were attracted by you. Like they, like your leadership, your style and everything, whether you're young or not, you carried yourself different. Anything that you could go back on and say, like, man, that was like the greatest time ever, like early on. Not, we know what happens later on in, as far as 07, 08, all that yeah. stuff, but like early well, on. Well, frankly, as you remember, I mean, Atlanta was on that stretch at that point, right? They so, sucked. They were so bad. Yeah. God, just 14 <laughs> straight, right? So, so easy to do. Well, and, and so, you know, we come into Turner Field and it's a Chipper Jones show, and John Smoltz was either closing or. What I, I mean, we had zero chance, and we finally got some, like the Cole Hamels and the Brett Myers, and these. We kind of started getting some guys, and I thought, man, we can finally compete with these guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, in my opinion, that was the biggest hurdle. If we could just get past Atlanta one time, mm-hmm. because I mean, after six or seven years, you're like, geez, you know, something's got to change here. And, and and we were getting tired as a fan base or as a Philadelphia players like Jimmy had been up there for a while now and uh, Chase was there and we were just tired of hearing about the 1980 team with Schmidt and Lazinski even though it was great but it was time for us to go take our our moment and we had the talent and so there was a moment there when we beat Atlanta and I remember Chipper saying hey you guys got it go take it Hmm. and that was like I couldn't remember if that was 05 or 06 or whatever year it was, but it was finally like, okay, we're out of the shadow of the Braves. Now we can go beat up on somebody else. You know what I mean? It was, yeah. it was a big moment. It, it was the monkey off the back. 
and like you guys you guys took it and ran with it i mean that that that's like the thing is like so you go back and, and you think about the times and, and just building the fan base. I mean, you go from veterans, veterans, the vet mm-hmm. to Citizens Bank Park and you have that excitement of the new place and all that stuff. But you guys built something like you guys literally were building that. Not The fan base is there, well, but the passion it, for this team again. It, no question, Franny. But you got to remember, like I was a, at, at that point, I was more of a complimentary piece mm-hmm. i mean howard was there hitting 50 home runs chase Utley was i mean arguably the best player in the game mm-hmm. jimmy rollins won the mvp i mean like and then we had cole hamels we had a closer all of a sudden you know we, we there was a lot of things that happened and i just happened to be the guy that was there the longest but the transition for the team was when, when we had the pitching because we were scoring yeah. runs yeah no doubt i dude i was gonna even say that because like you go back on it. What is it? Oh eight and uh, Rowan had twenty seven eighty nine. Ryan had forty seven one thirty six. Chase twenty two and one oh three. Or this is oh seven and and Jimmy had thirty and ninety four. Oh by the way, you had thirty and ninety seven that year. What the hell? Like you, you just think about that. Jimmy was leading off in the National League yeah. with a pitch hit in front of him, oh, and man. almost drove in a hundred. That that's insane. It's insane. And I think we were scoring like six x runs you know like a game yeah and you know it's 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 it was so so you can understand when i got to the giants and we had like lincecum and kane they were giving it <laughs> one or two a night and that was it yeah and but we couldn't score two or three yeah. and i'm thinking oh my god this is so easy <laughs> i know we can scrape across three i know it yeah and it, it's it's so crazy to think that like it was so hard to do that and it was so hard that year. And yeah, like, you know, something it was tortures, what yes. they call it, I think. Yeah, no doubt. But like you go even further than that. Jimmy and Shane combined 78 of 88 stealing bases. Like, I mean, so not only did That's you have the power. Ridiculous. I didn't even realize it was that ridiculous. So you had, you had the power, you had all that stuff, but you had speed. You had the, the makings of this lineup that you're going and you're talking about the pitching side. And and you're talking about like the the absolute stress, like your lineup put on. Okay, great, the pitching staff, that's fine, but the stress you put on fielders, the outfield. I mean, I remember going in the series at home, um, it and it was Lincecum's uh, first game, and you guys had, and it was like, dude, it was so it wasn't even like a fun day because it was Sunday night baseball. We're facing Cole in the shadows, but you have that, was that lineup. Lincecum's in, debut. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and uh, it was, was it Shane gross. Shane shot him. Shane shot him, and Shane then shot him and Ryan shot him. I think Ryan did. The, the story of the day was before the game. If you want to hear some unbelievable but Utley, so we get to the ballpark and they say, "Hey, this, you know, they got this rookie coming up. He's like a Roy Oswald type, and he's going to pitch." And of course, Utley wants video, and we got nothing. We have absolutely nothing. <laughs> So he starts screaming and yelling at everybody. And next thing you know, about an hour later, a VHS tape comes in, and it's a video from a scout from Washington. Oh, my God. And it's from behind home plate through the netting, and then there's a radar gun in the top left corner. And the first pitch I see is this freak show arm action with 97, and then he throws a breaking ball at, like, 83 that's absolutely have filthy and i said yeah. I, i'm done i don't want to watch anymore because there's nothing on here i can hit 
There's nothing he throws I can hit. So I ended up walking actually four times that night. You I didn't did. swing. I was terrified. I was playing third, so I was like, I remember all those things. Oh, it was so much fun. No, it wasn't. I'm telling you, it wasn't. Because like that, that's what your lineup did. Like, as a fielder, it was stressful. Whether you're playing, you know, yeah. whether you're up with runners on base and I have to scoot up a little bit. And I'm like, now I'm like, dude, I got to change my shorts after. Like, this isn't fun. We're in the shadows. You know how that is there. Oh, yeah. Brutal. Uh, well, that was the worst start time because brutal. at that point they had the little bitty scoreboard dead in, in, you know, in center that turned like colors. And I'm like, dude, it's orange and the ball's coming out of orange. That's, yeah. I got no chance. None. Yeah. So, hey, auto take. Nice. I mean, that's how you do it. Auto take. With auto take. Um, Okay, so the reason why I bring up that offense, and I'm not in in no way, shape, or form am I saying that this offense of this year's team is like yours, but there are pieces in there that could create some stuff. I mean, they they got an eight-hole hitter hitting 25 and all that stuff. I'm just wondering, when you look back at your your time, like in as far as like just like the 06, 07, 08 teams, I mean, how much confidence did each guy give the next guy? It was huge. I mean, um, and I mean this uh, to the nth degree. Our whole motto was off Jimmy Rollins. If if he went, we went. You know, I mean, there was times he would swing 3-0 pitches to lead off the game. <laughs> I mean, you know, he, he was going for it. And so, but if he got going, we all followed suit. If he didn't get on base, for some reason, it was kind of a, a it stalled our lineup a little bit. But if he... You know how this can go. Uh, I don't know if the analytics can prove any of this, but if the leadoff hitter is consistently getting on base, man, it frees up the rest of the offense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just, a, just a tad, especially a guy with speed. Oh, I mean, he had four. What he was forty-seven of fifty in in oh eight. Is that really 50. true? Yeah, that's that's what it was. I'm oh. like looking this up, going, "What the hell is what?" You a Hall of Famer? Um. Is Jimmy a Hall of Famer? Ooh, that's a good. That is a good question. I don't know. You think he's closer than Chase? I think. I think it's. Oh man, I think if if Chase doesn't get hit in the hand, and uh, oh, yeah. in 07, I think yes, because he'll win. He like you think about it, and you can tell me if I'm off on this in 07, because like we're all going, we're all playing, we're all seeing this whole thing sure. in another clubhouse. We're all going. Oh, dude, this Jimmy and Chase thing is gonna be awesome, you yeah. know, like throughout the whole thing. Jimmy ends up with thirty-eight doubles, twenty triples, thirty homers. Chase misses thirty games, and he ended up with forty-eight doubles, five triples, twenty-two homers, and one hundred and three RBIs. Like that's and I think he went stupid. into the clubhouse to try and get the guy who actually hit him, the lefty yeah. from Washington, and, uh, who ended uh, John Lannon. Lannon, Lannon, yeah, and yeah. Lannon got traded over. To us. Well, you really think that ejected <laughs> on his debut. Yeah. Yeah. It <laughs> was insane. The most, uh, I'm going to say awkward, I think, ever in a clubhouse was when, <laughs> when John walked into the clubhouse <laughs> in, in 13. I can't even imagine. Yeah, it I was weird. Imagine. And he's And he's a, a really good dude. Like, I'm awesome, sure awesome dude. But to see, like, the uneasiness of, of John and Chase being there was like, uh, awkward. So yeah, 
Yeah. But yeah, I I don't know. Like his Chase wins MVP that year. Like you think of what Jimmy did was insane. But does if Chase stays healthy, it's always the what if. Chase wins MVP, right? <laughs> Sometimes it's surprising to me to feel like he has never he did he never won that because yeah. he was for a stretch of years, he was the best player in the National League. Now, the numbers might not justify that, but, I mean... Player, overall, players. everything. Yeah, everything. I mean, the base running, I mean, yeah. come on. No doubt. Did uh, I ever tell you about the time in Atlanta we were struggling? <laughs> and uh, we, we couldn't... We, we, we could not get a guy in from third with less than one out. Or less than, you know, two outs, whatever. <laughs> and it was like this big talk. We had this big meeting, and... You know, of course, when you have these meetings and you try harder and it doesn't help anything, right? So <laughs> we're down in Atlanta. McCann's catching. I'm on deck. And whoever's on third, maybe Victorino or maybe Rollins. And he Chase rolls the ball over to LaRoche at first. Yeah. And La, LaRoche is going to come home. He's going to come home with it. Well, Chase runs into the field and jumps up <laughs> to try to divert the throw. <laughs> If you can imagine, and the throw goes off the backstop, we score the run. The umpire doesn't call anything. I go to home plate, and I look at McCann. I go, "Did that actually happen?" <laughs> he goes, "Yeah, that actually happened." He tried to get hit with the ball to get the run in. He was gonna, believe it. like he wasn't even ducking either. Probably he was probably just going. No, he was jumping up in the air. Oh my god, it was insane. But that, insane. but the, okay, so we we talk about, you know. Not we, just I think baseball players in general, you, you, well, that guy's the ultimate baseball player. He's the ultimate grinder, yeah. gamer, all this stuff. It's like, well, no, everything was wrapped around with Chase. But, and, yeah. And, and, and it epitomized who he was because, like, when, when someone says the ultimate preparer, I think two guys, I think Roy Halladay and I think Chase, and happens <laughs> to be that they're in the same, you know, clubhouse for a couple of years. And that well, to me is It also happens to be that I think, um, God bless him, but I think both would say that they're each their favorite teammate of all time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it goes hand in hand. But but both of those guys were always, I've had this conversation with you plenty. Like they're always looking for the slightest advantage to win and, and not in like, Oh, I got to cheat to do this. No, no, no. They're going to study their butts off. And if they could pick up something that's going to help them win that day, they will do it. They will find it because they're going to prep themselves to do that. And, yeah. and that was chase. And that, that's like the look, I never even met him until, you know, a few years into the, into the league, but playing against him, I'm like, dude, this guy is the greatest. Like I would sit there and awe. you like, used, I know this, you knew you get the other way at second base when he was coming. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I had actually your whole team. So that, I mean, yeah, it, that was, and, and okay. So let me ask you that. that. That's a good one to go with. Like when you talk about the leadoff guy getting on and doing that, well, Jimmy wouldn't crush you, but Jimmy got down there. And he got under you, and he made you think. Did that set the tone for guys, or was it Chase that set the tone, or is it just the fact that like you had that mindset as a team? You guys were all going to kill someone at second base, dude. To be honest, well, so usually for me, if I you, can just break this down, you I was down there, there time to get anywhere to break up anything. But if somebody fumbled a ball or double clutched or something, then I was going to be there hot. Yeah, and that was fine. And the rules have changed, of course, since then, Franny, as we know, but. Yep. Um, when we used to watch Chase from the bases, it was like, oh my god, because it's kind of bordering on, oh my god, he's it's kind of a dirty deal here, but that's just who he is. And 
he plays the middle infield. He blocks the base. Yep. You know, he puts his knee down. He blocks the base. I mean, he's going to get killed at some point. I told him. Well, he, he goes, I don't care. But that was part of his prep. He knew the guys that slid head first, and he knew the guys that slid feet first. Right? I mean, like, if you're oh, a yeah. head first slider, block your base. Like, dude, you're done. Like, he kind of. done. It, that, that was like the, that was the stuff on the prep part. I was going, dude, how'd you know that? He goes, yeah, he's always a head first slider. I was like, what? I didn't even what? look at that. It's exactly what you say. What? Yeah. I mean, it's a different level. It's, it's a, a different d- level. And that's why, in my opinion, you know, like you said, the 07 with the landing thing in the hand. I mean, you just wonder if the knee stuff, uh, the injuries, like some people just get lucky, you know. I mean, you're watching guys play like 20 years going, are you kidding? Yeah. You know, I mean, but a good 15 years. <laughs> Shouldn't go unnoticed, in my opinion, either. I mean, if Jeff Kent, I mean, I think Jeff Kent's a oh, Hall of Famer. Period. No doubt, hands down, number one. That 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 guy, I mean, he's in. It's, you know, there's nobody pitches to Bonds ever if there's no Jeff Kent, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, you know, maybe his reputation with the media, and of course, I didn't have a very good one either. You know, it it probably didn't help him, but the fact that what he did. Numbers wise, I mean, you start looking up those numbers from second base, he should be in there without a question. Oh, without a doubt. Like, dude, he pummeled, he was pummeling balls. Like, look, defensively, not great. We get that. But his but if you're offensive that bad numbers don't play on winning teams. Right? Exactly. He was always winning. Always yeah. winning. Yeah. I took him out at second base one time. I went shin to shin with him, and I, it was like the worst experience of my life. Because okay. I was so freaked out afterwards. Like, he I made bet. an error on it. I was really proud of myself. I was like, yeah. And I was like, sorry, Jeff. Sorry, Mr. Kent. Because he gave you that look like, damn it. And he, he, like, grumbled. Like, he got on third he was or second the next up, time. dude. He had a mustache. Yeah, was bro. The whole thing. He, he got on second base. Like, the next thing, he goes, great takeout. And I was like, awesome. See, and he's dude? like, I was like, sweet. See, they loved it. They yes. loved it. They if you, especially the going right. Like, if you did it right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, so when you look at, when, when we talk about like the chases in the jimmies and, and you see, you know, yourself, because you're a true Philly, you, you know, drafted by the Phillies, you come up with the Phillies, you win with the Phillies, all that stuff. Love the Phillies. And you love the Phillies. And, and I do too. And I had a short, you know, it, it, who cares if it's short? I like, it, I loved every moment of it. Um, and being a part of it now, it, it's even more insane. So. I ask you when you think about like free agents that signed there and, and no one really at the time was as big of a uh, household name as, as Bryce and Bryce coming over to the Phillies Mm -hmm. as a former Philly, as someone that has a lot of pride in it. Was it weird to see him? Was it like, what what was your first reaction when when Bryce signed over with with Philadelphia? To be honest, it was such a no brainer to me from the very beginning. I didn't understand why it took so long because I, I know John Middleton and if it, uh, if he wants something, he's going to get it. Yes. And so I, I was surprised that it took as long as it did. And who knows what happened between, you know, all that agent stuff and all that other stuff. But uh, no, I, I was not surprised. The first thought I had was, okay, they've, uh, they've made a statement. Now they're going to be expected to win. And I'm sure attendance shot up at that point. And with that comes all the pressure. Um, and so that's something that they're going to have to deal with. Uh, you know, and, and, and you got to throw Kapler in there as well. Yep. So 
there's a lot that comes with a big signing like that. Not to mention having real, real Muto. Like there's a lot of things that went on that were very good. Yeah. Well, even with, yeah, without the harp one, I mean, the, the real Muto one is the one that I, I just laugh at. He is so good. I just, wow. a, another guy so that just preps himself to win. Incredible. Yeah. He just preps himself to That's win every day. He throws out every runner possible. Like he had, okay. So what's frustrating, I think from doing it in the booth is cause like the game's hard. We all know that, yeah. but you sit there and you're going, dude, pitchers, give him some time. The guys are like consistent one, four, like one, four to one, five. And he's still throwing these guys out and you're going, how, 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 and, and he's done it on a couple of balls that are like, you know, sliders down in the zone. You're going, what are you doing? Like nuts. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was great that Bryce signed. I was just wondering from like a, like a ex Phillies perspective, well, dude, I just how weird it is. Cause it's like, I think what happens is, um, we went through a transition. Remember we were talking about the losing years when I got there and then we signed Jim Tomei. Yep. And the same year we signed Billy Wagner. Now we had a, we had the most dominant closer and the most dominant hitter and it didn't pan out for a couple of years. And a matter of fact, when we won, n- neither of those guys run our team, but it sent the message to the fan base. Hey, we're coming. Yeah. And I think obviously Bryce isn't going anywhere um, and he deserves to win. I mean, dude, the way he plays, mm-hmm. I, it's insane. Mm-hmm. I had a chance to meet him with Mark DeRosa. I think you were actually probably in Washington on the team. And, uh, no, I was, it was next year. I was there next year. Yes. Well, so anyway, so I got a chance to meet him and talk to him and uh, I mean, this guy's all winning all baseball. And, yeah. uh, I realize there's some criticism of some stuff, but to me, it's all positive. Like I, it doesn't, nothing he does bothers me. It makes me inspired. Yeah. Whereas no, everything Manny Machado does bothers me. Yeah. Well, the guy plays hard. He loves baseball. That's like, that's the one thing that like just gets kind of thrown out there he loves the game like not everyone yeah. can say that no 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 and all he does is bring the level of intensity up for your teammates because you you're not going to dog it when you see this guy play yeah it's like chase right yep i'm sure bryce is a little more vocal about things um but when you when you're on a team with a guy like that or chase Utley, you know you better do your part absolutely like that's a that's a great way to put it because then you look at the clubhouse and dude your clubhouse in 08 and yeah it, it wasn't like you had like just a bunch of dudes that were all the same you had a very I'm a, per, there was so many different personalities on that team right there was so much going on i mean so much going Bridge that came over from houston <laughs> and he ends up being perfect as a closer which i don't think has happened ever how do you think how how, how and why do you think it 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 kind of i don't know it just worked like was there a specific person you know like like jeff comes over that year and we know papa jenks is one of the best oh, dudes the ever to come yeah. <laughs> the milwaukee clipper yes oh, the clip he comes over he fit he was the starting guy and we had jason worth yep who wasn't playing so jeff hurts his calf worth comes on board, those are big calves too that whole thing was over Huge calves. Huge calves. <laughs> no separation between shin and calf. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. 
I'm gonna and one of my favorite guys of all time. Of oh, course. yeah. Well, that's big brother of mine. I mean, that's that's yeah, he's the best. So anyway, you, you, you have Chooch, you have you have Ryan, Chase, Jimmy, you have oh, Petey, Petey, Pablo. Hey, keep in mind, Chooch was in the minor leagues <laughs> when I was drafted. Oh, my gosh. And oh so gosh. you think about that was 98. He was in I went on a rehab assignment like in 05 and he was still in double A and I'm thinking, Oh my God. So like for him to be turn into what he was, I mean, no, nobody was happier <laughs> for, for anybody th than him because he had been through, I mean, I think he's 45 years old. Oh, easy. No <laughs> doubt. No doubt. I mean, and like the perfect body for a catcher in my opinion, Yep. like small stocky, could throw anybody out and really, really went to work. And you got to give Rich Doobie a lot of credit for that too, because they really worked on the pit and on you know setting guys up, and they had a really good plan. Because it's tough to pitch in that park. Yeah, it is. But dude, that you know, I don't know. For for Carlos Ruiz in his career, awesome. But something that I feel like gets unnoticed was yeah, he's short and stocky. That dude busted his ass down the line every time. Every time. And you're like, dude, at some point, you know, it it's different. I feel like if you're a middle infielder and you do it, like Chase does it every time. Like you it's almost expected, but like a catcher at some point you're like, dude, you could just back off. Like we we know we need your legs. And it's like, no, no, this could be the you know, I could pressure him to, you know, make a, a, a game changing error. And you're going, well, and we, oh and we just touched on this, you know, that kind of mentality came from watching chase. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's going to happen with Bryce. Like yep. when they start watching how he goes about his business to me, I, I, it can only raise the level of intensity in that dugout, which obviously is going to help everybody. Just a tad, just a tad. I mean, and they have the pitching. I mean, you know, I mean, there's the, the pieces are there. It's just a matter of everybody kind of coming together, and it takes time. You know, yeah. you gotta you gotta build it, and it starts from spring training, right? I mean, you gotta build this chemistry, this camaraderie, which I believe in. I know the analytics don't agree with it, but to me, that's the most important part: is getting those twenty-five guys together in that room and saying, "Hey, Washington isn't anything." You know, mm -hmm. the Mets aren't. We're not. You know, we're, we're gonna beat everybody. Yeah. No doubt, and uh, and you and, and you have to kind of you got to go through some lumps with that, but at, at the end of the day, it's it's time to go and beat the the guy you're you know you're facing. That's it. Absolutely. Every day. I I I think more than anything, like last year, you look at this Phillies team and uh, they played so well, you know, and and way above expectations for so long when they made some trades, and it kind of changes that that clubhouse dynamic you saw the play drop, you know, and, and what Matt Clintack and, and Ned Rice, the, the, you know, and management did this off season. I, I feel like they addressed clubhouse and on field together because this, this clubhouse is awesome. They're, they're great together. They're fun and winning, you know, winning makes that a lot, you know, it, it puts a sure. spotlight on it a lot more. So I, I appreciate that they did that. I mean, they, they learned that, not every guy that you can come and get is going to be, you know, just perfect in this clubhouse. No, it's about fitting in, you know, and uh, that was a big part of when I was scouting. You know, you you, you talk about acquiring certain people and, gosh, do you think this guy's going to be a fit in here? Hmm. Uh, and certain guys aren't, you know. And, and 
Um, I think a lot of the, that part of the game's gone away, and I, th- I think there's the analytics have kind of taken over to the point where, hey, we just you know fit this guy in here, fit this guy in here. Well, it doesn't always work that way because yeah. everybody's worked in an environment where if you're cohesive as a group, it's going to reflect it. If you're not, you know, and in baseball you're going to have a separated clubhouse, and we all know what that means. Mm-hmm. Then you're it's over. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Today, I mean. It's Jimmy Rollins' day, and, and he's retiring as a Philly. He's getting his day with, you know, the fans and family over there. Uh, we talked about him early on, and, and especially that 07 season. But Jimmy Rollins, Philadelphia Philly, when you combine those two things, what do you think? I think he was the catalyst for the world championship team. That's like if I had to put a sentence together, I would, I'd probably phrase it better if I could have some time. but. That's to actually me, perfect. That's he perfect. was a catalyst for the the winning ways that happened for those five years that you know the 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 the, the, the storied years of the Phillies. But um, gosh, I wish I could be there. He's um, a, a great friend, um, and you know we we grew up in the same area. I played with him, and when we were sixteen years old for the Black Sox, if you can believe that. That's unbelievable. And. Uh, Love his family, and you know, he, he was in the minor leagues two years before I was, right? Hmm. So he was a high school pick in '96, and when I met up with him in A ball, we were on the same path the entire time. So in 2000, he got called up in in, in September, and his first hit was a triple, and you watched him run around those bags, dude. It was insane, <laughs> and that's. You know, that's kind of when we're like, we have a guy. Like, <laughs> we finally have a guy. Yep. And he had he had this. I hate the word the swag, but he he had the swag. Yeah. He had. Oh, dude. He There's had no it. I think he started it. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's a great. I mean, that's a really good call on that. But I mean, it's a certain things that you know teams need. That was needed. And I, I mean, I, I think of Jimmy Jimmy early years, and he's got the. He's got the rose going, you know, out of the helmet. He's got the do-rag on. You're going, my God, who is this? And we, I, I knew him based off of, you know, your Bay Area guy, your Bay sure. Area legend. Like, we all knew Jimmy Rollins. We knew Pat Burrell. We knew all these guys were going, oh, my God. Can you, like, think about it. You, Jimmy Chase, all from California, are a huge Jimmy part of the Jimmy the NCS, uh, what's it called, dude? We were in the CCS. What, what were they called? NCS, yeah. They had their final in Oakland Coliseum, yeah. and he hit a homer and pimped it in high school. <laughs> hit a homer yeah. as a high school player in Oakland Coliseum and pimped it. And then he has the video, and he showed it to us, and we were dying laughing, like, oh, my God. That's so This Jimmy. guy. It's so Jimmy. How does, how does he go in the second round is my question, right? Like, how Ooh. does he get that far? Ooh. That, I mean, honestly, until you said that, I always thought he was a first-rounder. No, I always honestly, I always thought he was a first rounder just based off of how he carried himself, how good he was, because it, it, it was it's smooth, too. So, like, you don't see you don't really see 10th uh, rounders being smooth, you know, like and, and that good. You, you think well, you, you see his style funny, and you're like, he's he's a first rounder. He's well, he's he's the number one pick to me. I mean, he should have been over me without question if we were in the same draft. But so he. 
I real as a left fielder, you start understanding like you take for granted. Like I never got any ground balls, <laughs> you know. I never got any grounders, and and so you go to other teams and play for other shortstops, and you're like, oh my god, I have to field these balls all the time. So like he never missed anything. Like he he was just, and it was it, like you said, it was effortless. I mean, he we he was like Superman. He'd show up like five minutes before stretch, put on his uniform, come out, and just be ready to play. It was insane. All I've never seen I've never seen someone hour. dress quicker. Honest to God, I've never seen it. It is unreal, this guy. And then, uh, you know, the rest of us are dying in the training room, getting ready, taking whatever we had to get ready for and all that other stuff. And he just shows up, no big deal, put some lotion on, you know, slowly, get, and then all of a sudden, boom, on the field. And then you got 30 homers, 30, fuck, you know, 30 bags. And he was insane. Yeah. Dude, you look his 07. He had 778 plate appearances. Oh, was that 800? You're like, dude. Well, there was something important actually that year because the last day of the season, I think he needed a triple. He needed a triple. He and needed he to get to 2020 20, from like May. It was Mays and him, right? I think so. I yeah. think that's what it was. That's a pretty good class to be a part of. Well, it, but think about that though, dude. I mean, was it 97 RBIs or 99? Uh, no, he only 94. All right, okay. only 94. <laughs> Shoot, I was juicing it up a little bit. <laughs> but I, my point is, if you're leading off, when was the last time a leadoff hitter had 94 RBIs in the National League with a pitcher? Exactly. Right? Uh, I mean, oh, I'm trying to think. Blackman might have done it, but that's different because it's, it's Colorado. I don't, Colorado. I don't give it the same. Probably. True. That's I true. Give, I, don't give, I don't give it that. I don't give it that because it's, it's different. It's Colorado. <laughs> but, but, but that's the only thing I, that's the only one i mean he was a, as much of a threat as your four hole guy who no by, question who by the way is ryan howard hitting 47 that year with 136 <laughs> yeah. i mean oh, and by the way why don't you check out ryan howard's second half i think he drove in 95 oh that's like that's wrong like that's wrong so in 08 at the break i think i had 22 and 60 I thought I should have made the all-star team. Of course, I never did. Um, it's all right. Two World Series not, titles. You're bad. Yeah, it's You'll just be. really bummed because it was Yankee Stadium, the last one. I kind of wanted to go. And I ended up in that final five vote, which, you know, you never – Yeah. I was never going to win. I was never going to knock on doors like Shane Victorino. But anyways, um, <laughs> so, that was actually very funny, by the way. It was very good. And so, you know, I'm thinking, man, this is – turning out to be really good you end up with like i think you end up with 33 and 90 something i only had like 30 rbis in the second half well he drove in 95 oh my god i mean it was sick oh my god yeah, yeah. He... that 08 that 08 <laughs> oh year god. was insane but the 07 year for jimmy rollins dude yeah you touch on that that i think it, i mean matt holiday had a monster year monster that year, year. yeah but it was like it, it once chase got out once he was hurt, it was it was Jimmy's for the taking. Oh, and, yeah. you, and you wonder, like, did he need to get that 20th triple? You know, 20th triple was sick for, you know, all the, the historical factors. But, like, did he need a 20th triple to get the MVP? I think he already locked it up. It was just, you know, backing up the words and saying that, you know, this is our division type thing and Mets choking and you guys doing it. Well, the Mets didn't choke, man. We actually beat them. We beat them eight straight. We had a four set there, and we swept them, and then mm -hmm. they came to our place. And I think well, that's choking. Set. 
I, I'd rather say that the Mets choke because I'm not a big fan of the Mets. Okay. <laughs> so, it's all good. Well, we were, you know, yeah. I mean, and, and that was another deal where it was like, it, these are hurdles you, you, you pass when you start, the more you believe in yourself. Like the Phillies today, the, these guys with Reese and, 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 and obviously with Bryce, they're going to have to pass some hurdles. And once they do, then you start believing more in what you can do, and then you're unstoppable. In, yeah. Of course, if everyone stays healthy, and that's the whole key. Absolutely. All right, so right before I let you go, um, we got a name association thing right here, and I, I got to ask you, all right? So if I, okay. if I throw something out there, I want to hear what your first thoughts are. Uh, former Iron Pig with myself, Scott Ellerton. I had my first homer off him. Yeah. Nice. I didn't know you played with him. Yeah, dude, Ellie was awesome. One of the, he, he's such a good dude. Oh, he threw such a nice four-seamer, too. Oh, so beautiful right there for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Traxel. The reason I know the answer is because they just looked this up when I was doing the NBC <laughs> Bay Area stuff. Yeah. Seven homers. Yeah, you owned him. Killed him. You owned his ass. I faced him once. I got bored because it was like he took so long to pitch in between pitches. I was like, what the it hell? It was so long, so long. And then he would tie me up. So anyway, uh, thanks for owning them. And I sucked against them. Uh, <laughs> all right. So this one, this one's a bad one. Pedro Martinez. Oh, it's not good. Yeah, but it, it may is be one, maybe one for 20 something or maybe 30. Uh, I did clip him once. Yes, That's you it. Did. it was at the very end. One for 26 and- with the Homer. Oh, actually, you own him. So, like, throw, you have it. flower box, <laughs> nothing. Uh, Joe Comer. But, I mean, I was running around the bases going, finally, Jesus. Because I faced him in the heyday when he was just, it, it was, you know, it, it honestly wasn't fair. Yeah, no. It. You look at the numbers, it's like certain guys, your numbers against Hall of Famers is actually ridiculous. Because then you look at Maddox, do you know what you are against him? The only reason I know is because I just saw him like two weeks ago at dinner. He's a pitching coach for UNLV. Yeah. And um, so I ran into him at Stanford. They played a series there. And he goes, God, you own me. I'm thinking, I owned you? Yes, you did. Are you kidding? Yes, you did. I don't remember any of it. 340. But, yeah. And you think like 340 is, uh, should be a decent number. In my mind, like 200 would be a, a, a really good number. <laughs> 343, Jack. That's what you had against him. All right, the last two. Because um, going through all this stuff, and it's mostly obviously you're going to have starters, but like the more and more you looked at it, you shot so many closers, you realize that. Like you, you, you had so many homers against closers that I'm going, damn. Like ninth inning was your inning. Well, and that's what's so difficult to stomach because if we were winning the game, I was out of there in the seventh. So it's like, <laughs> you know, I, I only get to stay when we're losing. <laughs> That's because you were the bat. Pat the bat. No. All right, Aaron Cook. Oh, kill him. Crushed him. Oh, do you know how bad? No. Do you want to know how bad? Because it's awesome, actually. No, because it's, it's going to make me feel too good, and then I'm going to have to All right, I'm gonna blow you up right here. 15 for 24. That's a 625 piece. Dinger. <laughs> uh, you had a couple jacks against him. Yeah. Yeah, you're bad. 
it just uh, went, you know, he did that sinker down in. That's where my slot was. Oh, oof. How about Jeff Supon? Oh, disaster. Oh. <laughs> we had a game in, uh, shoot, it was actually, gosh, it was 08. And um, he was, he started the game. We had guys on second and third, and Ryan Howard was up. And obviously, they want to walk him, right? Yeah. With two outs. So the pitching coach comes out, and I think the manager actually went out and said, hey, we're going to pitch around him to get to Burl. And he goes, no, we're not doing it. No way. And the, they get into this little spat, <laughs> and they end up walking Howard on four pitches. And so I hit a, end up hitting like a three-run homer. Maybe there's only two guys on base at the time. but oh. And oh. he didn't want to pitch to me because he knew the numbers. Yeah. You know? Like warm and somebody up. Coach, no. The towel is being Please. thrown by me. And I'm over there on deck going, oh, my God, please, please walk him, please. Oh. So, overall numbers against him, 11 for 23, which is really good. I mean, not going to lie. It's not 15 for 24 like Aaron Cook, but uh, 1687 OPS with four jacks against him, like ownage. <laughs> and then I had to play golf with him in the alumni in the, in the event that winter. He's in my golf cart. And he's probably, he was probably domed up too. Like, how, did you go, did you ask him, like, how are your mentals right now? How are I said, mentals? hey, why don't you want, tee up my ball and every time I make a putt, just get out of the hole. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Well, uh, we got to close it out because uh, we're getting our time limit, I guess. So, uh, Pat, thanks for coming on. Hey, dude, anytime, bud. Well, we're going to do it before Chase gets his uh, his day because you're going to have some good stories on that. And we'll, uh... Okay, great. Yeah, and hey, go Bells, huh? Go Bells. There we go. All right, Pat Burrell, thank you. Appreciate it. Kevin France! Where's out of here?